Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting and DFS Show. My name is Todd Burrows, and I am your host. And welcome to our week four edition of the show. I am joined by Ryan McChrystal, and then we'll go over his props for the week from his article that is on Sharp Football Analysis, and then some of the DFS players I am looking at considering playing um, based off of talent, opportunity, and early ownership. But before we dive into today's episode, we want to give our viewers and listeners a heads up to a huge promotion we have coming up this week. And I got to admit, Ryan, I think this promotion is really cool. It's time for our annual points promo. What that means is if you're going to you're going to want to root for a high scoring affair between the Lions and Packers tonight because the next big discount will be the total number of points scored in that game. So if the Lions beat the Packers 35-31, you'll be able to take advantage of a 66% discount site-wide. If you're a fantasy customer but have been thinking of trying things out on the sports betting side, then this could be the deal that you've been looking for. Just use the promo code POINTS to get the discount. We would also greatly appreciate if you would follow our podcast and our YouTube channel and give reviews with the link below, like it and uh, subscribe to the channel. And if you follow our content through podcast, if you could like and rate and review our podcast, we would greatly appreciate it as it might seem like a little thing to ask, but it really helps us with rankings and allows for us to keep giving you this great free content. I personally will appreciate it. Ryan, welcome. And uh, did you make it last week? I was ill and I didn't even see if you made it. I did make it. Yeah, we had a good week last week when four and one, our best week of the year so far. So you're saying I'm a bad luck charm. (laughs) Maybe, maybe we'll see how this week goes. All right. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, let's uh, let's move over to the, your article and the six props that you had from your article last week. Uh, a guy I own a pretty good amount of in best ball, even though I didn't have a good, great week in best ball. Um, but Devin A-Chain or Devon Achan or whatever <laughs> name is proper for him to go by, you have a prop for him this week. Yeah, I haven't seen this prop listed yet, so I'm hoping we get it because it hasn't been listed at any point this season yet. But I'd like to take the over on his receptions. I'm hoping it is eventually available at two and a half. I think because of all the headlines that he got last week, it's likely that we will get a prop listed for him. And hopefully it's at two and a half or maybe even lower, maybe even one and a half, which wouldn't be uncommon for running backs. But, you know, this sort of goes back to my expectation for him on the season. You know, despite the fact that he put up incredible fantasy numbers last week, In terms of his play volume, he wasn't on the field a ton. But when he is on the field, he's involved. He's their gadget weapon. They want to bring him on in situations and try to get him to balance this. In fact, on this season this year, he's been on the field for 14 pass plays and had only five receptions. Excuse me. Maybe you caught what I had. Yeah, maybe. I hope not. Sorry about that. All right. Anyways, so when he is on the field, they're trying to get him the ball in favorable situations. And so 
we talked about this a little bit last week with the Bills defense. They like to use zone coverage and no blitz. In fact, 76% of that play, their play is a league high, have been that zone coverage, no blitz situation. They like to force teams to sort of check down, take underneath stuff. And they just trust their linebackers and DBs to make plays and limit those to short yardage. Well, if you know that the Bills are going to do that, what should you do as a Dolphins? Put the ball in the hands of your biggest playmakers, your most electric weapons in those situations and try to make that great after the catch. So Tyreek Hill should be heavily involved. And then obviously, you know, you're going to want to get Devon A. Chain a few opportunities. So as long as this line is eventually available, hopefully at two and a half or lower, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to take that one. All right. Um, the next one is one that I uh, will get the Todd approval on, and it is the under on Jerome Ford's um, rushing prop. Why don't you take us through that? Um, obviously, it is not an easy uh, team to run the ball against. And, uh, you know, I, I was not very impressed by Ford last week in another very difficult run matchup. Yeah, I mean, this basically comes down to the fact that I think Jerome Ford might be bad. I mean, we, we haven't seen a ton of him so far, obviously. But what we have seen, the biggest concerns with what we've seen on the field since he got to Cleveland has kind of matched the red flags on his scouting report that he'll dance in the backfield a little bit too much. He'll take some negative plays. And, you know, we can compare him and his small sample size to Nick Chubb. And the, the differences are concerning because they're running behind the same offensive line. You should expect to see similar numbers in certain underlying statistics. Chubb this season was contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage on 25% of his carries. Jerome Ford, that number is 46% this year and 51% on his career. Now, we don't expect him to have Nick Chubb's vision. That's potentially Hall of Fame level right there. But this is really bad if he's inviting contact on half of his carries that that's going to be a problem and i think it could cause kevin stefanski to get really frustrated the browns have been a run heavy team but that works because you can hand the ball on nick chubb and expect to get positive yardage almost every single time he's one of those guys that is just going to at worst turn out two or three yards for you on almost every carry if ford is the opposite of that if he's a guy where you're at risk of losing yardage on carries he's going to lose touches pretty quick because they, they've got Kareem Hunt. Hunt has been banged up this week. He was no practice on Wednesday, limited practice on Thursday. So it's trending in the right direction. If he were to sit out, maybe I would stay away from this prop. But if Hunt is, is healthy and then also Pierre Strong is still in the mix, I like the under because I, I just think Jerome Ford, if he continues to struggle, is going to lose touches. Well, I hope you're right because uh, I am a heavy best ball Pierre Strong bag holder. Uh, very late 20th round. Uh, Pierre Strong was one of my favorite running back tapes um, two years ago when he came out, uh, or last year when he came out. And um, he's got that big playability. And honestly, you know, I know he, he got one carry in the flow of the game and then five at the end. And he seemed to have a little more juice to me, Ryan. Um, any thoughts on Pierre Strong and my hopes for resurrection? Yeah, I mean, I don't have high hopes for Pierre Strong, but because Ford seems to be trending in a bad direction and could lose touches, you know, and from a fantasy perspective, it's it's certainly worth dipping your toe into the Pierre Strong waters because well, maybe by I, default. <laughs> I, I kind of dove in. Yeah. Um, the, the neck, uh, you know, because I, I, I've been very good at running back tape and I really like Pierre Strong's tape. Very small school and it's always hard to, you know, 
you know, it doesn't always translate. Um, and um, I wasn't like blown away by what I saw last week either, but he did look like he had more juice than um, than Ford did. Uh, your next one is Joey Bosa sacks under. Yeah, I'm going to be the under on his sacks, basically betting on him to not get a sack this week. He has he's he's been banged up is what's happened. He's dealing with a hamstring injury, suffering in week one. He hasn't been practicing during the week. He played 19 snaps in week two, 27 last week. So he's sort of trending in a positive direction, but he's still not practicing. And my thinking here is there's sort of two pieces to this. My first is that there's no reason to rush him back because Tuli Tui Pelotu has been fantastic filling in for him. He's generated a 19% pressure rate. He's the Chargers' second round pick out of USC from this past season. To get that kind of production out of him, early in his rookie year is incredible. Bodes really well for them long-term, but it also buys them some time. There's no need to rush Bosa back to full strength here or a full workload. So he's probably going to play this week because he has the past two weeks, but I wouldn't bet on him seeing a big jump in his workload just because Thule has been so good in that role. The other factor here is they're going up against the Raiders offensive line, which although, as we talked about on last week's podcast, absolutely terrible and run blocking, They've been good in pass protection this season. Garoppolo, who somewhat surprisingly has been holding the ball longer and throwing downfield much more often than he did in San Francisco, he's still only being pressured at the third lowest pressure rate, just 23% of his dropbacks under pressure. So the offensive line has been doing a, a great job for him. And, and on those snaps, when he is pressured, he's been sacked on only 17% of those dropbacks under pressure. So it's going to be tough for the Chargers to get their hand on Garoppolo at all. And if Bosa is only going to play maybe 20 to 30 snaps, the odds of him recording a sack in, in that small workload is going to be pretty low, I think, against this Raiders offensive line. Awesome. Awesome. Next one, um, Joshua Dobbs' longest completion under Ryan. Josh Dobbs has looked pretty good so far this year, um, but that doesn't mean he's going to complete a long pass. Um on a week-to-week basis, your thoughts? Yeah, I feel kind of bad uh, taking an under prop with the Cardinals after their big win last week. Obviously, I was going to say you could go with the under on Josh Dobbs' eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like there's something going on there, um, and uh, there's like, yeah, I don't know what what it is, but um, anyway, yeah, I, I don't know about that. But for his, you know, as far as his passing goes, obviously he's been a pleasant surprise. He has yeah. not been the worst quarterback in the league, which was widely expected at the beginning of the season, especially with how late he joined the Cardinals. But he he still isn't producing big plays down the field. He's only had two plays of thirty or more yards through three games this season, and he's going up against a tough 49ers defense that really limits what opponents are able to do down the field. They've only allowed one completion over 30 yards this season. And teams have really shied away from even attacking them downfield because they've had had such limited success when they're throwing downfield. When thrown to the intermediate level against the 49ers, quarterbacks have completed 43% of those passes. That's the seventh, that seventh lowest rate in the league. And they have not allowed a single completion on a throw 20 or more yards downfield this season. So you have a quarterback in Dobbs who – is not spectacular at throwing downfield and doesn't throw downfield at a high rate. His deep ball passing rate is right around league average this year. And you've got a 49ers defense that's really been shut down down the field this year. So I think this is a good opportunity. As I said, hate, hate to bet against the Cardinals because they're sort of a feel-good storyline, especially coming off last week. But I, I think this is a tough spot for their passing game. So I'll take the under 
on Dobbs' longest completion, which is at it's available at 31 and a half right now. And we're going to finish up with two different over on receptions. One is Jamar Chase, who um, certainly would have won that bet last week. Um, and TJ Hawkinson, uh, a returning hero to the Sharp Prop show. Yeah, Jamar Chase, I think this is a great, a, a, just a great matchup for him. Obviously, the risk in this is that Burrow is still banged up and, to be honest, just hasn't looked good this year. But we should have a little bit more confidence. They started to get things back on track a bit last week. This prop is available. Jamar Chase's reception or Jamar Chase's receiving yards, I'm sorry, is available at 82 and a half yards. So I'm taking the over. Titans have been really dominant against the run this season and, you know, dating back the past couple of years. And it really forces teams to pass more against them. They've allowed a hundred yard receiver in every game so far this season. They've actually got five different players this season to have seven or more receptions. And that's really what I'm banking on for chase is a high volume game because chase, when he has at least seven receptions in a game in his career, averages 102 yards per game. So if he's getting, if they're able to funnel balls his direction in this matchup, even if he doesn't have a huge play down the field, he's going to rack up the receiving yards. And I think he has a really good chance to get over this 82 and a half yards. Awesome, awesome. So I wanted to contribute a uh, kind of a funny story. I wanted to contribute a prop to the to the show uh, for the, you know, the rest of the week. So my, the, you know, without going in and doing a ton of research, I, my thought was, well, people are going to hate betting on Zach Wilson. So let me look at his receiving prop and perhaps I'll want to go over on it. So I looked and I saw 175 and I thought, wow, that's a really low number for an NFL quarterback. And I started to get excited and I said, all right, well, now I need to do research and look at his game logs and how often he gets over it. And I mean, he almost never gets over it. It was like, it was, I mean, we know the dude is bad. We know he is historically bad for a second pick in the draft that the Jets took. But I was shocked, Ryan, just absolutely shocked how many 120, 130, 150 yard games, full NFL games. And, and, and we're not talking about a running quarterback, right? Running quarterbacks, sometimes you'll see that kind of a number but you almost never see a passing pocket passer under 200. So, Ryan, I, I, I'm not going to give this prop of under, but if I was going to give a prop on Zach Wilson this week, it would be for under. Yeah, he's brutal. I mean, he was just – he has been in over his head from the beginning. He was ill-prepared from – what he, uh, his experience at BYU did not prepare him for the NFL. He was a guy who needed the uh, Jordan Love treatment and just sit the bench for a few years. And then who knows, it, his career could have turned out differently, but I think we can stick a fork in him at this point. But, you know, to move on to the last, last player prop that I wanted to give out this week, of course, it's the one that we've been talking about all season. Oh, TJ I, thought, Hawkinson. I, I, I thought, I thought I, I, oh, I didn't know you. Okay. My bad. Go ahead. Yeah, we got to get to TJ Hawkinson time. Yep, got to yep, leave time for TJ Hawkinson on this podcast, all right? <laughs> we got some nice sound effects for Hawkinson this week, it sounds like. 
Hawkinson over four and a half receptions this week against the Panthers. I was ecstatic when I saw that this line was released at four because as we talked about last week, it jumped up to five and a half. We still played it, even though it lowered our confidence level a little bit. We still played it. He still hit the over. And so we're definitely back on it again. Now it's dropped back down to four and a half. The reason it's dropped, I guess maybe because this is the potential to be a blowout against the Panthers. Maybe, although it's not like the Vikings are uh, setting the world on fire so far. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't assume any game is going to be easy for them, but regardless of the reason I'm, I'm thrilled that this is available at four and a half and I'm definitely going to be on it this week. We've, we've talked throughout the course of the season about how one of the reasons Hawkinson thrives is because when teams play two high coverages, when they line up with two deep safeties, it opens up the middle of the field for him. And he sees a 26% target share versus two high coverage, 16% versus single high. Now the Panthers, they rank 24th in the league in their usage of single high coverage, only 36%. So that sort of raises a red flag that maybe we should be concerned, but I think this is matchup proof. The reason being since Hawkinson got to Minnesota, no quarterback has faced too high coverage more than Kirk Cousins. It's been over 40% in all but one game. And I think the reason is Justin Jefferson. When you've got a weapon like that on the outside, teams want to ensure that they have safety help over the top. And so teams are ramping up their use of too high to stop Jefferson. So obviously we've talked about how this could turn into a prop that we just play all year long, like we did with the Nick Chubb longest rush last season. And I'm, I'm starting to feel pretty good about that. Obviously we'll test it a little bit this week because the, if the Panthers lean heavily on single high coverage, that, that could lower his usage. But I, I'm starting to feel more and more confident that this is going to be one of those matchup proof props for us because of the way that defenses are just are attacking this Vikings offense. So All right. another so, week, another Hawkinson over. Hopefully we stay hot with that one. But, Todd, let's move on to your DFS stuff. Let's start with quarterbacks. question, though, from the chat. Uh, from the chat, Luke Taddeo says, is the reason we're not giving numbers for any of these? I heard you give numbers, <laughs> Ryan, for most of these. But to review, could you just go over your different props and give Luke um, what he's looking for? Yeah, of course. I think we've been mentioning them. But if you want to. I, I again, do, too. Devon Achan, uh, receptions over two and a half or lower. That one has not been posted yet, but two and a half or lower. I'll take the over. Drum Ford rushing yards under. That's available at 48 and a half right now. Bosa's sacks prop. Haven't seen that one posted, but probably will be at 0.75 or 0.5. Take the under either way. Josh Dobbs' longest completion is available at 31 and a half. Jamar Chase is available at 82 and a half. And Hawkinson, as we just said, four and a half receptions. Love the over on that one. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, you, you were saying about me? Yeah, well, that's all <laughs> I've got for props. I, always going to wrap it up with Hawkinson. Hopefully we can keep that one rolling, but let's dive into some DFS and let's see what you got for us with quarterbacks. All right. So um, at quarterback, um, I mean, it re- first of all, a, a little bit of a, a, an overall look at the slate. It's a, Right now, it's a no value week on DraftKings. Um, a lot of interesting pay-up options throughout the positions. The popular game is an early game with Miami and Buffalo, and it's really hard to fit you know, all the people you would want in that game to a DFS lineup. But right now, Tua at 2% ownership. Um, if that continues, and I kind of find it hard to believe it will, based on just how successful he was last week, I know the Bills 
are a much better defense, but um, I would probably be over on Tua at 2%. Uh, percent. Um, I wanted to play Justin Fields at 6,600, but right now uh, it looks like the field is agreeing with that at, at 10%. I know, um, you know, they're a good run uh, team. I'll, I'm sure I'll play a little bit, but I, I can't see myself being over. Uh, Justin Herbert at 4%, um, salary 7,800, that's a lot. But 4% ownership with Keenan Allen, um, you put that 23% Keenan Allen ownership with 4% Justin Herbert and you do a bring back and you're pretty unique right there. And, right, and, and you know, it's, it's a hard one, but Deshaun Watson at 6K against the pass funnel Baltimore defense, it's risky. But it's low owned because it is risky. And I think Watson looked a little better last week. Um, Amari Cooper is just continues to get healthier. And if uh, Watson continues to have 2 3% ownership, Brian, that's a guy I would be interested in being over on. Yeah, Watson is one that jumps out to me too, especially given the low roster ship there. This could be a good opportunity to sort of sort of take advantage of people who are still fading him. I don't know that I'm fully buying in on him turning his season around, but at the very least, this is a good matchup. He threw downfield last week against the Titans. He was 7 of 11 on throws, 10 or more yards downfield. It's hard to get things going there when he had been brutal on those downfield throws the first two weeks. But the Ravens are a team that opposing quarterbacks have been throwing downfield against. They've seen the eighth most throws at 10 and more yards downfield. They have a lot of 45% completion rate at that distance. And even last week, Gardner Minshew stepping in, he was 5 of 14 throwing downfield. Not, not great, certainly, but you don't expect anything more than that from Gardner Minshew. And the fact that he was able to have some downfield completions to keep that the Colts offense, um, to, to open up the Colts offense a little bit by establishing that they could still throw downfield, that was really key for them last week. So the fact that we've seen teams attacking them downfield and that we we saw Watson improve last week, this could be a, a good opportunity with a, with a low roster ship number for him to take advantage of that. Yeah, and if you put him with Cooper, who's the most likely to go off, um, um, kind of giving a spoiler uh, on my wide receivers, but um, this Bateman didn't practice so far. Beckham's still not practicing. Um, Aguilar, 3,400 uh, right now, to me, is a really good bring back, a, guy, a, a big play guy, um, one of those guys who's probably better than we give him credit for, um, I, I, and Mark Andrews. There's a couple ways that you can bring back pretty cheaply um, and um, have a low-owned, uh, cheap stack. Uh, so um, I think you said something about moving on to running back. Um Kyron Williams right now, 6K is the heavy chalk. I mean, I know it's a good team to run against, but I, I, I'm going to have a hard time. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm pretty sure I'm going to be under on uh, Kyron Williams chalk. Um, a lot of stuff out on Twitter about how even though they gave him the job, he's, he's not that good. Um, the guys I do have interest in, Alvin Kamara at 6,100 right now, about 9% ownership. Um, you know, what if Ryan, uh, if Alvin Kamara was injured last year and what we thought was him turning to dust was an illusion, and then you add in Jameis Winston at quarterback and 
you know, it could be a, a really interesting week. I like both of the Eagles running backs, DeAndre Swift at 5,700 and Kenny Gainwell at 5,200 at low ownership. Um, Swift has been running through just gigantic holes. Washington might not be as easy to run against as some of these other teams, but um, at the ownership I'm seeing, I will be over. And the last one is my boy, Ramondre. The Pats started running the ball a little bit better last week. Ramondre at 6,200, and he does have a very good matchup. Yeah, I'm with you on a lot of these. I certainly agree with the Kyron Williams conversation that you brought up. I, I was not high on him as a draft prospect. He's really, he's a north-south runner, not very elusive, doesn't have a lot of explosive ability. So, you know, you got to have a little bit of interest, I guess, in anyone who's slated to get the lion's share of a workload in, in any backfield. But I, I don't have high expectations for him. I just don't, I don't think he's capable of a, a huge breakout game at any point. He's just not explosive enough for that. What I love, though, is Swift. I mean, if he's going to continue continue to get a lot of the carries in that backfield, you know, really anybody, any whoever they choose to give the ball to, <laughs> the Eagles running back is going to produce. Their ball carriers are gaining three or more yards before contact on 35% of their carries. The league average is 23%. So that offensive line, that run scheme, it continues to be fantastic. They're going to create running lanes for whoever is getting the ball. And particularly a good matchup this week. The commanders can't really stop anybody. They're allowing three or more yards before contact to running backs, 36% rate, the second worst rate in the league. So one of the best offensive lines, one of the worst front sevens in terms of stopping the run, just a fantastic matchup for Swift. Let's jump on now to the wide receivers. What do you got for us, Todd? Well, I have um, Josh. Um, Josh, uh, I've got... Um, Obviously, Josh Palmer at 4,000, he might be chalk, but I could see him being good chalk. So a lot of people do this thing where they look at a player historically and they feel like they have a sense of who he is. But, you know, the Chargers have a new offensive coordinator. And Justin Herbert, I think you and I talked about it on an earlier episode. He had a rib injury last year that really uh, limited his ability to throw the ball deep. Um, I am going to very likely be over on Josh Palmer, even at 20, 25%. He allows you to do a lot of other things. And I don't think Quentin Johnston is ready. Um, you know, I think people might want to pivot over there. I think Aguilar is a great pivot, as I mentioned. Um, and then we're talking about Eagles, but AJ Brown right now at 5%, um, AJ Brown's gonna have a big game, right? He's gonna put up a 30, 35 point game. Um, I would love to catch that when, um, when the ownership is 5%. So, um, Jalen Hurts wasn't feeling good last week. And, you know, what if it's a week where they're not doing the, the tush push? for all the scores, you know, what if they're able to get score from 20, 30 yards out? Um, I really like the Eagles right now. We saw the bills just manhandle the Redskins last week. Um, you know, I, I think you could be over on pretty much any of these guys. Um, the salaries are reasonable other than Hertz. Um, T Higgins and Mike Evans right now, both have almost no ownership, 2% or lower. Um, 
you know, every week I look for exactly this situation. And you find it more early in the year where guys haven't had their big week yet. We know T. Higgins could have a big week. We've seen Mike Evans have huge weeks. Um, I like both of them at low ownership. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on a lot of those. The Josh Palmer one certainly makes sense to me. We talked in the, in our preseason or in our season-long props podcast back in August about how I was on the under on Quentin Johnson's receiving yards. And a big reason was this exact scenario. I think people were going to expect Quentin Johnson to be the next man up when someone went down. But really his role, what his skill set, what he brings to the table, it fits much more closely with Keenan Allen's role than Mike Williams. <laughs> Josh Palmer is much more of the downfield weapon, and he's already had experience in that offense, already has a connection with Herbert in that role. So I think he is absolutely the one who's going to benefit right now. <laughs> Quentin Johnson, he's he's not ready. I mean, like you said, he's he's not ready to step into that role because it's so different from what he did at TCU when he was seeing a high number of screens and those quick, quick passing concepts in that air raid system. So he's not ready to step into a larger role in that offense at, the, at this point in time. He certainly has the body type and the, the physical skill set to maybe do it down the road. Also, like Higgins, we already talked about with the Jamar Chase prop that I gave out. You can apply a lot of that same logic to Higgins as well and his ability to feast on this Tennessee secondary. Let's move over now to the to the tight ends, Todd. All right. Um, give me one second. I just have to take care of one thing. Um, all right. So at tight end, I've got a couple names for you. Um, it's the theme of the show, Goddard, 4,400. 4, um, I mean, I don't know which Eagle is going to crush this week, but if I'm going to get four, three, two percent ownership, uh, 10 on Swift, um, I I'm going to be over on all these guys. And, um, you know, because I'm trying to chase a one, a less than one percent outcome with one team. Um, I really like Jake Ferguson at uh 3,500, he's not showing a lot of ownership right now. It's not an ideal matchup, but he's been getting the targets, and at um, and at one uh, one and a half percent. I'm yeah, one and a half percent ownership, thirty one hundred dollars. Mister Otten, the Otten Empire. Um, he is the full time tight end in Tampa Bay, and they've got a pretty decent matchup. Um, I also do like uh, with Jameis. I, I like Chris Olave. Uh, a bit this week, um, but he's 7,100. Uh, but I think Cade Otten is a very, very interesting – on a week – I started this whole conversation by saying there's not a lot of salary savers out there. $3,100 for a 1% owned Cade Otten, to me, is a nice place to get some salary savings, Ryan. Yeah, that certainly makes sense to sort of save some money with those. I don't have a strong take on any of those. I am. I would like to see a, a breakout performance from KDOT, and I, I was relatively high on him coming out of the draft, and, and even before the draft had said that he was the most Gronk-like tight end in that draft class, and of course Tampa Bay drafts him. So I, I had high hopes. It hasn't quite panned out yet, but you know, he, he's getting some more opportunities this year. It could still happen. Awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this show. We're, we brought it in a little uh, a little under time for once, which is nice. Um, I hope you guys have a great Thursday night. I hope all the props of Ryan hit. 
and I wish you all a great DFS Sunday. Ryan and I will be back next Thursday to do the week five show. You guys have a great night.